How many of you liked watching cowboy movies? Anybody like, I love watching westerns, you know, John Wayne, all those good things, right? Love those. I know Punky loves John Wayne back there. He, he's a John Wayne fan. Well, there was a guy that lived in New York City, and his dream his entire life was to buy a ranch in Wyoming. He wanted to be a rancher in Wyoming when he retired, and, and you know, if, if you know anything about ranches, it's not a retirement job, but that was his, re, his goal. So he finally saved up enough money, and he bought this ranch in Wyoming. So he moved out there, started a ranch, and one of his friends came to visit him. And he said, hey, check this out, man, here's my ranch. And uh, the guy said, well, what did you call your ranch? He said, well, we kind of have a problem because we couldn't decide on a name. Like, I thought one was good. My wife didn't like it. She thought one was good. I didn't like it. So we compromised, and we called it the Double R Lazy L Triple Horseshoe Bar 7 Lucky Diamond Ranch. And the guy said, that's an insanely long name. And he said, yeah, you know, it works. He said, well, where are all your cattle? And he said, well, we had several, but none of them survived the branding. Because, like, you know, they, they couldn't... Uh, they couldn't pull the trigger on the name, right? Well, we're going to look at a parable today that many, many of you have probably read over the years in Matthew chapter 25. It's a parable that Jesus tells about uh, three servants who were given talents, and we'll, we'll kind of look at that here in a minute. But you know, most of us throughout our lives, we've read this and we say, well, it's because we're supposed to use our gifts. But one of the biggest problems in this parable is the guy couldn't pull the trigger on following the Lord on following the master, doing what his master asked us to do. And so it kind of falls in line with what this rancher had. He just couldn't quite pull the trigger. So last week we talked about Matthew 24. We're going through the book of Matthew, just passage by passage. We talked about Matthew 24, and Jesus was giving signs of the end times, right? Well, then to Matthew 24 and to Matthew 25, Jesus tells a couple of stories that illustrate the second coming of the Lord. Now we believe Jesus says one of these days he's going to come back to the earth physically, right? He's going to come back. There's, before that, there'll be a rapture where the believers are taken up, and then he's physically going to come back. The thing is, no one knows what? That when? No one knows the time. Even in Matthew 24, Jesus says no one knows, not even the Son. Only the Father knows when he's coming back. So then he tells a couple little stories in here that we're not going to read through, but he tells a story about a man whose house gets broken into, and he said, if the guy really knew when the robber was coming, he would have been on guard. So what is that telling us? Some of us think Jesus is going to come back soon, but they don't know when. So he might come before we think he's coming, right? Then he tells another story about some bridesmaids, five wise and five foolish bridesmaids who weren't ready when the, son, the bridegroom came back. And he says, Jesus might come back later than you think it's going to be. So we always need to be what? Ready. The point of those parables is Jesus says you need to live ready. Then he tells another parable, another story that we're going to read today in Matthew chapter 25. And a lot of you have heard this, Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. It says, again, in other words, this story connects with those last two. Jesus might come back before you're ready. He might come back after you're ready. So you need to be ready all the time. So he says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Now, wealthy people often took long trips. And when they did, they would give some of their workers control of their assets so that it wasn't just sitting while they were gone. And they said, okay, here, you take some of my money and go do what? Earn more money with it. Here, you take some of my money, you go earn more money with it. Here, you take some, go earn more. And then the problem was with travel back then, it wasn't real reliable, right? You didn't have cars, 
You rode horses or donkeys, or if you were really rich, you rode a camel. If you were poor, you walked. But you never knew what it was going to be like. Weather could hold you up. So the return was often not on a set date. Kind of like Jesus was saying, son of man will come back at a time when you're not ready. So he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver. Some of your versions say five talents of silver uh, to one, two bags of silver to another, and to one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their what? Abilities, giving them what they could handle, right? Then he left and went on a trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, how long? A long time. Their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. Now we'll give you what? More, many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So the master was what? Happy. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags to invest and I've earned two more. The master said what? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came. Master, I knew you're a harsh man. <laughs> That's never a good way to start, right, with your boss? I knew you're a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't accumulate, cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you what? Wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he would take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is a story about people using their gifts and abilities that God has given to do something with them, right? We get the word talent from this story. And so in this story, he gave them different amounts of money, different amounts of gifts according to their what? Abilities, right? And so now we can't separate this parable from what we've been talking about. This ties right in with Jesus talking about his coming. He says, you don't know when I'm coming back. In other words, you don't know how much time you have. So in that context, this story says you need to be doing what? Using your talents and abilities to do something for the kingdom because we have no idea when he's coming back, right? So let's look at this story a little bit here, right? About making the most of our time. And when I was researching this, I, I looked in commentaries and I looked at other people's messages on these and I got some different, different takes on it from people from different denominations. One guy in particular, Brian Bill, is really fun to read. He comes from a totally different church background than we do. So it's kind of fun reading how different denominations take on this. So let's look at this. The first thing we see is God entrusts all of us with a portion of his resources. Each one of you in this room, each one of you watching online has a gift 
that God has given you or multiple gifts that God has given you. Some of you can sing. Some of you can play instruments. I cannot. (laughs) That's okay. Some of you can do technical things with sound and cameras and cell phones and things. Some of you cannot. Some of you are really good cooks. (laughs) Some of you are not, right? Some of you are great athletes. Some are not. Some are very graceful. Others are very clumsy, right? I trip over nothing. Like, I can trip over air. It's amazing. You should see it sometime. You probably will. Um, I've almost fallen off here a couple times, right? Some of you are great servers and hospitality people. Some are not. Some can speak publicly. Some cannot. Some can do. I mean, guys, we have all different gifts and abilities. You know, the Bible says one gift is actually helping. We'll read that later. Some of us are actually gifted as helpers. That's a gift. So all of us, you may say, I'm the most non-talented person in the world, but you still have at least some gifts because God entrusts all of us with a portion of his resources. And here's the thing, guys. What we have doesn't really belong to us. These gifts and abilities we have do not belong to us. That's the first slide there. (laughs) We all, what we have does not belong to us. It's whose? God's. Those abilities you have, the athletic ability, the serving ability, the cooking ability, the serving ability, those are God's. The gifts he gives us belong to him. Just like in this parable, he gave some of his money to the servant. So what they were earning on was not theirs. It was his So guys, we have to settle this issue in our lives of lordship. I have to understand that everything I have belongs to God. That means my finances belong to him. My family belongs to him. It's not mine. It's his. It's on loan. My time is his. My motorcycle is his, right? Cars, houses, dogs, Cats, uh, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But everything that we have belongs to who? Him. And when we understand that, it makes it easier to handle. Because I understand if God asked me to give something away, it's not really mine to begin with. It's his, right? I know one guy in our church taught me a lesson years ago. He said, if you hold on to something too tight, you need to learn to let go. He says, anything that, that you have is his, and you have to be willing to let that go. And some of you guys, I understand some of you grew up with not much, right? Some of you grew up in poor homes. And guys, even our poorest people are richer than 90% of the world. But some of us grew up without a lot of stuff. And so when you grow up without a lot of stuff, it's hard to let go of stuff because you don't have a lot of stuff, right? But when we understand that it's all his and that he owns everything, it makes it easier, doesn't it? Because I understand if I give something away, God can give it back. Jesus actually talked about that. He said, give, and with the measure you give, it will be given back to you, shaken, pressed down, and running over. So everything is his, so we have to be willing to do that, and it makes it easier to use those. And we're all given different types and amounts of gifts. I want you to think about this. We're all given different abilities and different amounts. So when the Bible talked about a talent, or in the New Living Translation, a bag of silver, 
I read a lot of different people. There's a lot of different ideas about how much this really was, but they said most of the people will say that one bag of silver, one talent, was 60 denarii, and a denarii was one day's wage, an average day's wage. So I did a little math, and if a denarii was one day's wage, so I figured $9 an hour is minimum wage, so one talent, one bag of silver, was worth a little over $4,000. So if the one guy was given five talents, that was what? $21,000. Two was $8,600. One was $4,300. Now, other people think it was worth a lot more than that, into the hundreds of thousands. But either way, what that master gave them was a lot of money. I mean, it wasn't like, here's 20 bucks, go do something with it. I mean, it was a lot of money, even in today's standards. And they were given different amounts. So one guy was given five bags of silver. One was given two. One was given one according to their what? Ability. And so, guys, all of us are given different gifts. And we all know those people that are good at everything. And they kind of make you sick sometimes, right? Like, is there anything you can't do? Right? And then there are others of us who struggle to tie our shoes. That's okay. Because we're all given different gifts, different amounts of gifts, different types of gifts. Whether you have a lot or little doesn't matter. It's what we what? Do with them. Peter says this in 1 Peter 4.10. says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Each of who? You. That means all of us. He says, use this well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do you have the gift of what? Helping others others. Do you have the gift of helping? Do it with the strength and energy God supplies, and everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? Do you have the gift of what? Helping others. Guys, even if you are not comfortable standing on a platform and speaking in front of others or singing or playing, there are still things you can do to serve God through helping others. You can stand out in the foyer and check kids into kids' church as they come in the door. That's serving others, right? You can water flowers. That's serving others. We can do all different kinds of things. There were two guys. They crashed their private plane. They were in a private aircraft. They crashed in a South Pacific island. One of them had busied himself um, running off and all over the island, see if they had any chance to survive. When he came back, he rushed up to the other man and said, This island is uninhabited. There is nothing here. There's nothing to eat. There's nothing but salt water. We're going to die. The other guy kind of leaned back against the plane and said, man, I'm not worried about it. I make $100,000 a week. <laughs> and the guy said, did you not hear me? <laughs> there is no food. There are no animals to kill. There's nothing to drink. We are going to die. And he said, man, don't worry about it. I make $100,000 a week. And he said, that is not going to help us here. I said, no, listen to me one more time. He's like, I make $100,000 a week. I tithe 10% of that to my church. My pastor's going to find us. Like, <laughs> yeah, that is true. So all of us have different gifts. Some people, guys, there are people out there who have the gift of making money. Did you know that's a gift? There are people who can make money like crazy. And when they're faithful with that and they're generous with that, God blesses that, right? So we're all given different amounts and we're expected to invest what we have back into the kingdom. We are expected to take what God gives us and invest it back into the kingdom. The two servants that had different amounts took it and they invested it. They worked in it and they both got back. And what did the master say to both of them? 
Well done, good and faithful servant. He didn't say, well, you did better because you had five. He said, you used what you had and you were faithful. You were faithful this little bit. I'm going to give you more. So guys, no matter how big or flashy or how small and seemingly insignificant our gifts are, if you use the gifts God gives you, he is going to be pleased. You may never get noticed. You might serve in obscurity your entire life, but guess what? If you're faithful, God sees that. We had a, a little old lady in a church we were youth pastors at. She did not want to be in the front of anything. But you know what this lady did? She came in every week and stocked shelves in the church. We, we served meals to teenagers every week. She came in afterwards and, and helped clean up and did all these things. Nobody ever noticed that lady except us who were there during the week when we saw her. You know, when she gets to heaven, you know what God's going to say? Well done. You were faithful with the gifts I gave you. Come celebrate together with me. Because she was faithful. No one ever saw her. No one ever knew what happened. But she came in, she pulled shelves out of the, the storage closet. She made sure everything was ready for the next week because she loved those teenagers. And there were kids we served at that church that wouldn't eat anything else except for a school lunch that day. She wanted to make sure they had food, and so she came in every week and did that. She was faithful. They weren't judged on the amount they gained, but on their faithfulness with what they had. And the third guy, what did the master say to the third guy? You are wicked and lazy. Guys, one, one translation of those words, wicked and lazy, means unwilling to decide. He said, you were unwilling to do anything with it. You were hesitant. You wouldn't use the gift, and now you're going to be judged for that. In other words, he wasn't necessarily just lazy. He was undecided. He didn't know if he really wanted to serve. And guys, there are so many people around the world in churches that have incredible talents and abilities and resources, and they won't do anything with it because they just don't know what to do. They just won't commit. And we need those people. And you know what's funny? The master didn't even argue with him when he said, you're wicked. <laughs> you're a harsh man. You take stuff that isn't even yours. He didn't even argue that. And he said, you didn't do anything with what I gave you. Now I'm frustrated. So we're expected to take what we have. And here's the thing. We will be judged or rewarded based on the way that we use our gifts. We will be rewarded or judged based on how we use it. And we have to give an account someday of how we've used what we've been given. We will have to give an account when we get to heaven. God's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Because that's what the master said. What did you do with what I gave you? Because there's an incredible story. I never knew this. But there's a true story. Antonio, a young man named Antonio. His voice was really high and squeaky, so he didn't make the tryout for the boys' choir. When he took violin lessons, the neighbors convinced his parents to make him stop because he was so bad. They said, please make this kid quit. But he still wanted to make music. His friends gave him a hard time because his only talent was whittling. All he could do was whittle. So when he was older, he served in as an apprentice to a violin maker. His knack for whittling grew into a skill of carving, and his hobby became his craft. He worked patiently and faithfully. By the time he died, he left over 1,500 violins that he had crafted. And each one had a label that said Antonio Stradivarius. They're the most sought-after violins in the world, and they still sell for more than $100,000 each. These violins, this guy handcrafted. They're incredible. He couldn't sing. He couldn't play. He couldn't preach. He couldn't teach. 
All he could do was whittle, but he used that ability to do something, right? Each of us has some kind of gift that God has given us, and we're going to have to give an account. Romans 14, 12, Paul says, yes, each of us is going to have to give an account to God. 1 John 2, 28 says, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you'll be full of courage and will not shrink back from him in shame. So the servants in this story were supposed to know the master's coming back. We don't know when, we don't know what day, but we know he's coming back and we're going to have to do what? Give an account of what we did with his money. So we need to be faithful. So guys, Jesus is going to come back one day, whether we die and go to meet him then, whether he comes back, we're going to meet him and we're going to have to give an account of what we have done with our abilities. So we need to find ways to use what God has given us. And again, they're varied. You may say, pastor, all I can do is pray. Hey, that's huge. You may say, all I know how to do is, is help. You can do that, right? All I know how to do is turn on a water hose. Hey, we have got a ministry for you. <laughs> you can water plants. I know how to run a lawnmower. Hey, we can do that. You know, guys, there are tons and tons of things that we can do. And how we live and how we give reflects our relationship with God. The first two servants were excited when the master came back. Hey, look what I did with what you gave because they had a good view of their master. The third one was hesitant, and his view was totally different than the others. Well, I know you're a really harsh man, and, and you harvest crops you didn't plant. And he went and hid his money in the ground. And this was common, guys. People would hide money in their yards. They would hide money under trees. It was common, but it wasn't very profitable, right? But that was a common thing to do. So he just went and did what everyone else was doing. He didn't use his gifts. He didn't use those abilities. And so our, how we live in a relationship with Jesus reflects how we spend our time and how we spend our resources. And guys, our actions are going to be either praise or condemnation at the end of the age. So according to this one pastor I was talking about, he said, he said the two faithful servants received affirmation. Hey, great job. Well done. Woohoo, you did it. They received a promotion. You were faithful with this little thing. Now I'm going to put you in charge of more, right? I'm going to reward you with what you've done. And they celebrated. You made me happy. Let's celebrate together. The unfaithful servant received judgment. He said, take what he has and give it to the other guy and throw him outside. This doesn't say you're going to go to hell if you don't use your abilities, but you're not going to be rewarded, right? You're not going to be rewarded for that. And so A.W. Tozer said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So how do you see God? That's going to reflect what we do with our abilities. If you see him as a good father that you're excited to serve, you're going to be more willing to use your gifts and abilities, right? If you see him as a God who gives good gifts, you're going to be more excited. If you see him as a God that earn, owns everything, you're more willing to give because you understand that he will give back. You know what's funny? We always think, well, when I have more money, I'll give more to missions. When I have more time, I'll give time and serve the church. But you know what happens? We always find something else to do, don't we? Some of the people who have the least amount of money are some of the most generous. When we used to do that... Um, Light for the Lost Tour, the Mastons really helped a lot with that. When they would do that tour, you know where most of the missions money in Nebraska comes from? 
Is it from the two biggest cities in the state where all the people live? No. Most of it comes from the west side with rural people who are willing to give and willing to serve. So what were the differences in these servants? What were the biggest differences? The first two were determined to make a profit. The third was determined to not have a loss. The first two were willing to work hard and take risks. The third took no risks. The first two received the gift. The third refused it. The first two wanted to advance the master's kingdom. The third had no interest in what he was doing. The first two saw the money as an opportunity. The third guy saw it as a problem. The first two allowed the master's gift to change their lives. The third refused to let the gift touch his life. So think about this, guys. The third servant saw the master as what? This big cosmic cop, right? He saw him as a hard man who he didn't want to serve. The first two saw him as a loving master who gave them something and they wanted to do something with it. Guys, some of us, because of different things in our lives, we see God that way, don't we? Well, it feels like God's just waiting for me to mess up so he can punish me. But that's not who he is. He loves us and he gives us these gifts and they're things that we enjoy and he wants us to use those gifts for him. There's a church out in western Nebraska has a couple guys and it's a small church. Maybe 20, 30 people, I think. Maybe 50 go there. Smaller church. They have a couple guys in their church who are mechanics. They're mechanically inclined. And you know what they do every year? They do free oil changes for single moms in their church parking lot. They, have, they put up big signs, they have people come up, they come in, they, they have like drinks and things for the ladies, let them sit, they change their oil for free, and the ladies, all they have to do is bring oil, and then they send them off on their way. And I said, you know, we don't have a lot of abilities, but this is one thing we can do. And that's a huge thing in that community, because they use their abilities, they use their gifts, right? So how we see God. And so the third guy, he wasn't necessarily just lazy, he was just unwilling to serve, he didn't want to serve him. So last, what do we do? Now that we've seen this story, what do we do? How do we do this? Well, first, we need to settle the issue of lordship. You need to understand, I need to understand that everything I have belongs to who? The Lord. So that means my time, my finances, everything is his. So when I give back to him, I'm not really giving. I'm just giving what? Back. I'm using it for him. I'm using his stuff for him. I want you to think about this. What would happen if every person in every church gave 10% of their finances to the Lord like he asked? What would happen if every person in every church in the world tithed? What do you think we could do? We could change the world, couldn't we? Every missionary would be fully funded, 100%. They wouldn't have to stress and worry about being able to go. You know how many people we could help locally if every person in every church Tied the hundred, tied ten percent, just ten percent. There's some that give much more. Some of you guys give much more than that. But if every person gave ten percent, there shouldn't be any poverty left, right? We could help every person that calls. Guys, there are people that call the church looking for help. And we say we just can't help you because we've already helped you other times. We just don't have the money to spread it around, right? What if every person gave time to churches? There are so many ministries that could happen if everyone gave part of their time to serve. Right? And it doesn't have to be big. You don't have to be saying, I don't want to play on the worship team. Could you sign kids in for church? 
Could you come to Vacation Bible School and hand out a snack? Could you? We have openings in Vacation Bible School for people to literally just walk with kids from one place to another. <laughs> That's all we need. Just walk them from this room to this room. Make sure they don't get lost on the way because, you know, kids out, right? So make sure. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6, 38. Give and you will what? Receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And guys, we always talk about this in regards to finances. But it's not just finances. It's what else? Time. It's abilities. It's willingness to serve. So we need to settle the issue of lordship. And we need to make decisions with an eternal perspective in mind. I read this passage last week, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So we need to make decisions based on eternal perspective. What is God going to think of this decision? Ooh, hey, I got some money from the government. What should I do with it? Should I go buy a new gun? Or could I buy this? Or could I give some of this? Could I use some of this? Could I think of those things? And we need to find and use our talents. Hey guys, I know as I'm talking today, some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, I have nothing. I can't think of anything I do well. I can't think of anything I enjoy doing that would serve the church. I can't think of... So what we're going to do is we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask God to show you things you're good at. And it might be that someone comes along and says, hey, you're good at this. And if you don't know, find a friend and say, hey, what's something I'm good at? <laughs> now, depending on your friend, they might tell you different things. Uh, you're really good at irritating me. You know, I, we don't want that. But find someone that you love and you trust. Say, hey, what's something I'm good at? What's something I could use to serve God? And if you have an idea and say, I don't know how to use this, call the church office. We'll tell you. Now, we got ways you can use this gift, right? And guys, we love you, and we, we know that God loves you so much, and he's given each and every one of us something from his giftings. And we need to learn how to use it. So would you stand with me this morning? Those of you at home, if you would just kind of change positions, and we're going to pray together. So some of you might be laying on the couch, you know, sit up at least, so... I know because I've seen it in my own house. Well, Lord, we thank you today for how much you love us. And Lord, I thank you that you love each and every one of us in this room. And Lord, I thank you that you've given each and every one of us gifts to use for you. And Father, I pray this morning you would help us to see those gifts that you've given us and find ways to use those gifts because we know that you're coming back soon. We know that you're coming back and we want to use those abilities and those gifts to further your kingdom. God, we want to find ways to serve you with the abilities that you've given us. Whether that's praying, whether that's serving, whether that's helping. Lord, whatever those is, whether it's giving, whatever those gifts are, Lord, help us to find ways to use those. And Lord, I pray if there's any of us in this room that don't have a relationship with you, that you'd help us to see that and to get that right today. And Lord, if any of us have a wrong view of you, if we just see you as this 
big cop that's wanting to squash us every time we make a mistake. Lord, help us to see you as you really are, a loving Heavenly Father, as a loving Savior who gave yourself for us so we could have life. I'm going to ask everyone to just close your eyes this morning and just kind of shut yourself in with the Lord. And if while I've been talking, in your mind you're saying, no, I just, I don't have a relationship with God. If I was really being honest, I would say that I'm pretty far from Him. But I want to change that. I don't want to be far from Him anymore. I want to be in a relationship with Him. The Bible says that Jesus came to this earth and gave Himself on a cross. He died in our place to take our place for those sins that we've made to make it to where we can have a relationship with him. And he says, all we have to do to make that right is just to ask. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you say, you know, Pastor, I am far from God, but I want to make that right today. Would you slip your hand up right where you're at? We just want to pray with you this morning. Now we're going to pray this prayer for those at home that we can't see. We're going to all pray this together. And this is simply you talking to the Lord. There's nothing magical about this. Nothing mystical about this. This is just you asking Jesus to forgive you for the sins that you've committed. And this helps us take that first step into living in relationship with him. So everyone say this with me. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your incredible love for me. Thank you for dying in my place to forgive me of all the mistakes that I've made. So I admit that I messed up. I've sinned. Please forgive me. Please come into my life and make me new. Help me to follow you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Bible says when you pray that prayer, the Bible or the Lord makes you a brand new person. All the old is gone and the new is here. And that's the first step in just walking with Jesus every day. Now, if you're here today, you say, you know, Pastor, I don't know what my gifts are. I just want God to show me what I'm good at. Show me the gifts he's given me. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? We're just going to pray together. God, would you show me what I can do to serve you? All right, if you're here today and you say, you know, I have a wrong view of God. I kind of live in fear of him instead of living in a relationship with him. And, and I just want God to correct that view so that I can serve him with joy and not with fear. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just I kind of have this wrong view of God sometimes. We're going to pray together this morning. If you want to come to the front, as we pray, you're welcome to come up here. Someone will meet you here and pray with you. If you have a need, you can come up to the front. Someone will meet you up here and pray with you. So let's pray this morning. Father, I just pray for all those that raise their hands. And they said, you know, I want to know what I'm good at. God, would you show them the gifts and abilities you've given them to serve? Maybe just by revealing it to them, maybe by sending someone into their life to speak to them and show them what they're good at. But Lord, help us all to find ways to serve you. And Lord, if there are any of us here like that third servant that have a view of you that's kind of big and scary, but not the other side and not the kind and loving, Lord, would you show them that so we can serve you with love and not with fear. In Jesus' name, amen.